Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Robert Kleinwax. He has a pretty incredible story to tell of healing stage four lymphoma. Dr. Robert is an expert performance coach and author who practiced sports medicine and sports nutrition for more than 20 years. He received his doctorate of chiropractic in 1983, graduating magna cum laude. He owned one of the largest health and wellness centers on Long Island, New York, and has completed extensive postgraduate study on sports injuries and nutrition. For the past decade, Dr. Robert has been a sought-after public speaker and performance coach, both nationally and internationally. He regularly shares his expert knowledge on nutrition, peak performance, and natural health with sports groups and professional leadership groups worldwide. His book, The Sports Triad, focuses on maximizing health and performance naturally, unleashing an individual's maximum potential by changing the way they think and eat. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Robert, but before I do, just a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. So you have an incredible story to tell. I just want you to really just tell our audience. So where do we start? Well, let's start with that I'm a health nut. I was a raw food eater for 26 years. Um, exercise three to five days a week. Tennis was part of that whole exercise regimen. And if anyone ever thought they wouldn't get sick, it would be me. Um, and when people found out I got sick, they actually almost didn't believe it. I also was a motivational speaker. So I did a lot of positive thinking and all that other stuff that's involved with keeping your body healthy, uh, yoga and meditation and visualization and all that stuff. And I was during one of my tennis tournaments and I sat down to get a drink of water. I looked down at my leg and I, I said, wow, my leg is really swollen. And I don't know why, because I don't have a problem with my leg. Continued playing, got done. And I figured, well, whatever it was would just go away. Went to sleep, woke up the next day and it was bigger. So I went to a, a, a doctor's office and they told me that I had a virus in my leg. Now, didn't make any sense to me. They told me, eh, you know, it should go away in a week. After two or three days, of it getting bigger, I just said, this doesn't make sense. I went to a friend of mine who was a doctor and said, can you do me a favor? Can you order me an MRI for my abdomen, my pelvis? Um, he said, why? And I went over the whole thing. And I said, I think there's something going on that's stopping my circulation going down my leg, but I don't know what it is. So he said, well, before we do that, let's do some blood. Let's do this. Let's get some testing. 
uh, on your venous and your arterial you know, flow, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we'll do an EMG to make sure you get a nerve supply. So I went through all the different tests. And the long and the short of it is that I finally got an MRI because everything else was negative, including my blood work was totally normal. And that night after I got the MRI done, um, I got a phone call from that doctor who said, uh, you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but you have stage four lymphoma. So I said, stage four lymphoma. I uh, says, yeah, you have a huge tumor in your abdomen that's shutting off the blood supply down your leg and the venous supply back and your lymph flow down and up your leg. I said, okay, um, what do we do? I says, well, I have an oncologist I'm going to refer you to. I said, well, you know me, I'm not, you know, I'm not an oncologist guy. And he said, well, just go and see what he says. So I went and he ordered more tests, you know, a PET scan and a CT scan and um, just to make sure what they thought it was. They also did a, a biopsy on it where they had to take this big needle and they went through my abdomen to push into the actual tumor uh, to get a piece of it to find out what what kind of lymphoma it was. So I had large cell uh, lymphoma and uh, had other names to it, but it's not important. And he basically said that it's one of those that we can treat, We, you know, we usually will put it in remission, but not always. Um, and so I asked the question I always ask everybody if I ever have any health issues, which is, well, why did I get that? And he said, well, we don't know. So I said, well, what is your treatment? He said, chemotherapy, radiation. I said, that's not for me. That's definitely not for me. Uh, you know, If you don't know the cause, how are you treating it? And I said to him right then, I said, if you had a flat tire and you brought it into a station, gas station and you asked why I was flat he said I don't know but I'm going to put air in it would that make sense to you and he goes well it's not really the same situation I go it is I said there's a cause for everything and unless you get rid of the cause you're never going to get rid of the problem permanently and I wasn't interested in a partial fix so I went on and I spent the next year one question how did he react to you saying that he thought I was crazy. He told me that, you know, you obviously don't have enough experience in this and that I do. And that, you know, if you don't get the chemo radiation, that you're going to die and blah, blah, blah. So um, I, I did everything. I flew into healers. I traveled all across the United States. I, mean, I was gone out of my home for over three and a half months, flying from person to person, trying to heal this. And the tumor kept growing. And it got to such a point that one day I was in bed and I woke up like in a cold sweat with pain that was ridiculous. And apparently the tumor had shut off my ureter. So the urine was backing up into my kidney instead of going out. And my kidney had hydronephritis. So I ran, you know, I didn't know that. I went to the hospital, they diagnosed that. And they said, well, you have two choices right now. You, we can try to strike the tumor or you're going to lose your kidney. So I said, well, I don't lose my kidney. What are you going to do to shrink it? He goes, well, it's chemo radiation. So I thought hard about it. It was one of the hardest decisions I made in my life. And I said, well, I don't want radiation. I'll try chemo. I got the first one. It wasn't that bad. I got the second one. And it was really bad. And the third one, during it, I asked them to stop. Um, and I walked out, I went home and I told my wife, let's do my will. 
I said, because I'm not going to die that way. If I die, it's going to be naturally, but I'm not dying from chemo. And after the three treatments or almost three treatments, the tumor barely shrank anyway. So probably it wouldn't have worked even if I'd gone through the, I think it was six they recommended. And how were you feeling? Like just nauseous and weak and all that? You know what? It's hard to explain, but I became somebody else. It changed your hormones. I mean, it makes like, I apologize to my kids. I apologize to my wife. I apologize to my friends because you become, I became, I don't know how everybody else is, but I came a total like different person, nasty and just, um, I, I can't even explain it. Besides I felt crappy. Um, it definitely affected my hormones and my mood more than almost anything. My left leg got numb. My left hand got numb. My right hand was a little numb. I still can't feel my left foot. Um, and it's been uh, 13 years. So that's permanent. Um, but the long and the short of it is I was sitting in my house. I was basically you know, going through the steps of what I had to do to make sure that when I die, I leave everything right. And I got a phone call from a dental friend of mine that when I was in practice, I'm a chiropractor. I was in practice 20 something years, um, holistic practice. I actually had Roslyn Health and Wellness, one of the first holistic practices on Long Island started back in 1983. And um, when people didn't know what wellness meant. So this was like a, a, a major pill to swallow that, you know, I was going to actually possibly die from the exact thing that I preached, which was wellness. Um, but I got a phone call. I mean, it was meant to be, I guess, uh, from a dental friend of mine, Dr. Jay Durick, who practiced right under me. I practiced on the floor under him. He made friends and uh, he moved to California eventually and just called me out of the blue to see how I was doing, what's up. And I, I said, don't you really want to know? He goes, yeah. I told him the whole story and he just stopped me in my tracks. He said, I need you to go to this, this dentist that's in Pennsylvania and you need to have her check to see if you need to pull your root canals out and have all your fillings pulled out. I go, my fillings pulled out? What, do you, what am I going to do if my fillings are out? He said, well, she's going to have to do a test to see what you're compatible with to see what needs to go back in. I said, what is this compatible thing? And, and he said something that changed my whole thinking. He said, would you just take my blood without knowing whether we were compatible? I go, no. Would you take an organ from me? And if, you know, if you if I was the last heart, you know, around and you needed a heart, would you take my organ if you didn't know if it was compatible? I said, no. I, I want to make sure it's compatible. I don't want to go through a whole surgery to find out I reject and I die. He goes exactly. He goes, but there's never, never been an emphasis on making sure that you do the same with your your fillings, that you make sure that what you put in your mouth you're compatible with. And then root canals have rubber in them. And the rubber that they push into the root canal, many people are sensitive to. And again, unless you're tested, you don't know. And the last thing is it traps a lot of times bacteria in there and you have these terrible bacterial infections that spread throughout not only your jaw, but your body. So the long and the short is I got in my car, I drove two and a half hours and I went to this dentist in Pennsylvania. She did all her thing, removed all my stuff out of my mouth pulled six root canals out of my mouth um, that I had, had over the years. And as she was pulling the root canals, she said to me, I bet you, 
if you really thought hard and long about this, that you will think about when you had that root canal that you never felt right after that. And I said, it's funny you just said that. I said, because the very first one I ever got, I was sick for an entire week after, right after I got it. And I never really meant, thought much of it. And not only was I sick for the week, but I never really got my energy back from that day on. And I just lived that way. She said, well, you're going to be different now. And so one part of me wanted to believe her. The other part of me was like, uh, well, all right, whatever, you know. So I went home and about, I guess it was about four to five weeks later, um, I started getting a lot of the pain back down in my leg that I was getting. I was starting to get the same feeling of pain in my lower back that I got when I first got noticed this tumor, but I didn't know it was a tumor. And I was thinking, oh my God, this tumor is getting bigger because I'm getting all these pains back again. And so I quickly made sure again, I, all my dots were correct on my will and that everything was straight because I, I thought that this was it. I didn't want to tell my kids. I didn't want to tell my wife. I just kind of kept it to myself because I just didn't want to put the burden on anybody. And then when my wife said, why aren't you playing tennis this week? I play every week, three, four times a week. I'm like, yeah, I'm just taking a break. And she goes, no, you're not. Something's wrong. You know, the long and the short of it is, she said to me, go get tested right now. Go, I want you to get an MRI and test to see what's there. And I said, I don't want to see what's there. So she, she said, that's okay. Then put your stuff on the front porch. She goes, because if you just want to give up on the family in your life, then you should, might as well just go put your stuff on the front porch. <laughs> so I guess I got the picture. So I went, got an MRI, and I'll never forget the phone call that night because the oncologist called me and his exact words were, what did you do? So now when anybody asks you or says that to you, the first thing I'm thinking is, oh my God, what did I do? I must have done something wrong. That's what you say to your kid. What did you do? You know, when you did something yes. wrong. So I said, why do you want to know? He said, well, because you haven't had chemo for over a year. I have your four scans over that year. The tumor was growing during all of them. But this scan you just did, I can't find any of the tumors. And I said to him, you sure it's mine? He said, I looked more than once to make sure it was yours. So he said, I have no idea. I've never seen this happen where they just disappeared without a treatment. That's why I'm asking, what did you do? So, of course, I told him what I did. And at the same time, I was, by the way, that I was getting all this work done in my mouth. I was on vitamin C drips because when you get all the work done, the body releases a lot of poisons and toxins, um, especially the mercury that's in the teeth comes out. And the vitamin C helps bind it all. And is this so, something but, the dentist told you to do? Or did yeah, you know? Yeah, the dentist actually did a vitamin C drip on me while, while I was there. She's a, also a DMD, uh, and her state allows it. Okay. Um, so the long and the short of it is I was on, on the vitamin C drips at the same time also. Um, and I told him that. I said um, I was on vitamin C drips, and I had my root canals pulled out and all my fillings. And I put the compatible fillings back in. And of course, he asked the same question I asked, which is, you know, why are you putting compatible fillings? What is that about? And of course, I explained it the same way I just explained it. And he said, well, I guess that kind of makes some sense. And I, and I said to him, I said, well, maybe going forward, you actually can give an alternative to some of your, your lymphoma patients 
that maybe what they can do is try this before they go through the whole treatment of chemo radiation. And he said to me, well, I can't do that. And I asked him, why can't you? He says, because I'd probably be sued for malpractice. And he goes, you know, you're, you're a doctor. You know what the definition of malpractice is. And I do, which malpractice is doing something your peers wouldn't do. And he said, well, because my peers wouldn't recommend people going to the dentist, then I can't recommend it. So with that being said, I was disgusted and he knew it. And I just said, you know what, at some point you have to stand up for what's right and not worry about your peers. And he said, well, I worry about my license and my living and I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So the long and the short of it is um, I got scans for the next like five years, nothing showed nothing. I got one about a year and a half ago, which is now over 11 or 12 years from the day and nothing. So at this point, I'm actually due for another scan because I, I like to do them like once a year just to make sure. Um, right. But I did have a four or five year span. I did not do any scans um, just because I was trying to give my body a break from, uh, even though it's a, it's MRI, it still alters your cell uh, orientation. So anyway. It's an amazing, amazing story. So how long after this procedure were you declared cancer free? Well, I had the procedure done the first week in August. And the second week in September, which was about five or six weeks later, um, is when I was getting all the pain and, and I had an MRI. I think it was week seven as I had the MRI. So it took seven weeks for a tumor that was, I think it was 13.3 or five centimeters by 12.9 centimeters, the tumor that was in my abdomen. Then I had about six or eight of them in my lungs. There were smaller ones that were like two and three millimeter, you know, around months. And what was the reason for the pain? The pain was, and that's interesting, I had to ask the doctor, when the tumor expands, it hits the nerves, the blood vessels, and all the organs. When it contracts, it pulls away from those same ones that it was pushed on. And when it contracts, a lot of times it pulls them with it for a while until the adhesion between them breaks off. So it actually can give you the exact same pain. It's called recovery um, symptoms. And... Um, it's basically while you're recovering, your body can create the same symptoms that it was getting while it was getting sick. Amazing. What other changes did you make besides getting rid of your oral infections? Well, what's kind of weird is that during the time that I was sick and I realized that I might die, the change I made, which was very strange, I stopped being a strict vegetarian. Um, which was weird. Um, I had, during the time that I was sick, I had fasted for 60 days, didn't work. I went on high amounts of different vitamins and supplements and herbs and didn't really work. Tumor still was there. Um, of course, I got chemo, didn't really work. Uh, I brought in healers, it didn't work. I had brought in a healer from, from England and nothing happened. I had several other um, doctors that did light therapy and um, electromagnetic therapy and crystal therapy. And I mean, I tried everything under the sun and nothing really worked. Um, the tumor just kept growing until I pulled out everything. Am I not? And so the amalgam fillings also, not just the root canal, right? I pulled out all the fillings that weren't compatible with what 
once you get the blood test, you'll get, I think there's 128 compounds that dentists can use to put in your mouth. I think out of the 120, I think it was 12 of them that I was um, compatible with. They, the compatibility goes moderately compatible, mild or severe and very severe. So well, they take the material and they put it with your blood. So they take your blood, put a material and see if you react to it. If your white blood cells react to it, it's either mild, moderate, severe, or very severe. So they look to see how they react. So they want to put in your mouth the thing that your white blood cells respond least to, because that way that's going to be something your body's not going to attack. And that's what you want in your mouth. Because basically the dentist described why I was sick as this. Your body was spending so much time attacking the amalgam, attacking the root canal. Because remember, a, a root canal is a dead tooth. And what does the body want to do with anything dead? It wants to get rid of it. So it's spending all this time and energy trying to get rid of this tooth, trying to get rid of the fillings, um, battling the infection. So the immune system, after year after year of doing this, gets tired. So instead of it being able to kill the cancer that we all get every day, it, could, it couldn't do it anymore. So my body developed cancer. Even though I impeccably exercised, was positive thinker, all that stuff, boom. I mean, you know, it, it worked. Um, and, and the main reason is because now my immune system could go and relax again and go back and fight the cancer and kill it so that my body then go back to the way it should work normally when there's not poisons and toxins in your mouth. That also goes for other areas of the body. When they put implants in or anything else, they never check to see if you're compatible with it. Is this Whether something just a biological dentist does? My dentist was not biological. It's something that, you know, it's a holistic part of dentistry, but it, it goes even deeper, you know, into that. I mean, biological is, is a little bit more superficial than what she practices. And not that biological, I'm not putting it down in any way. It's still superior to a lot of dentistry. You know, the problem in dentistry today is they won't change their thinking about, you know, amalgams and, and a lot of the stuff, root canals, is because if they did, and all of a sudden they came out and said that, you know, this and this and this is dangerous, what, what's going to happen with everybody that's got it in their mouth? They're going to get mad at their dentist. They're going to get mad at the ADA. They're going to either sue them or or have a problem, and it's going to create a whole storybook of, of issues that I think the AD doesn't want to deal with, and dentistry doesn't want to deal with, because even my original dentist that did most of the work in my mouth, when I told him what happened, he poo-pooed it. He did. He said, that's, that's not it. That's definitely not it. It was something else you did, for sure. Meanwhile, I explained the time frame of what happened. And there was nothing else that I had done in that time other than the vitamin C drugs, which I had been doing before that anyway. So it wasn't like that was a, a new thing. But at the time I pulled my teeth and, and fillings, the only other thing I was doing was vitamin C drugs. That was it. And he didn't want to know because... No, he didn't want to know. He poo-pooed it so badly that he basically shamed me out of his practice. He just said, well, if that's what you really think, then don't bother coming back. You know, I mean, it's like, no, I don't think that. I know that it happened to me. Like, so I'm not, this is not a story from a friend that I'm relaying to you. This is me. And I, I know what happened to me. 
And if you're going to be that pigheaded and that stupid that you don't want to listen, then you're right. I'm the wrong patient in your office. And I never saw him again. That was it. It's really, really sad. And I'm just curious for people listening, what can they do if they have these feelings? They might have cancer or another illness. Where can they find a good dentist? Well, what's interesting, and I'll tell you where you can find a good dentist. What's interesting is that while I was there, she made me stay overnight because the procedure was a two-day thing. And while I was in the hotel, I was in a hotel with four other patients, one from Africa, one from, I think it was Ireland, another one from, it was either Italy or Spain, and then, oh, South America, somewhere in South America. And it was interesting because they weren't there for cancer. One was MS, one was Parkinson's, and one was Lou Gehrig's disease. And I asked them, How, like, are you, did you already have the treatment? Like, where are you along the lines? And all of them were there for a follow-up. And all of them were telling me how much greater, how much better they felt since they had, had removal of different things and did similar things than I did. The one that was a Parkinson said, look at my hands. Can you tell? Let me stand up and show you. I mean, no shaking, no nothing. Amazing. And the MS patient was telling me that they were in a wheelchair and now they're walking around. I mean... Like the stories I heard just from those four people that were, when we were in the when I was in the hotel was just mind blowing because again I I don't I'm not a dentist I don't know a lot about that whole area but now looking back at it now I can see how depending on your constitution and your diet and your stress levels and you know all these other factors I might have developed lymphoma and somebody else Parkinson's and somebody else MS and so disease is basically the breakdown of health and what part of their health broke down from having these poisons in their mouth. So everyone's is different. So it, it, I got a big learning experience from it. And I've sent many patients, you know, to that office since. And I don't know if she wants me to mention her, to be honest with you, uh, just because there's always the threat that, you know, people are going to threaten her license because, you know, she's doing stuff that traditional dentistry doesn't really do. Right. Um, but if you go to the Huggins Institute website, Huggins Institute. Huggins? Institute website, you could probably get some dentists off that. And that way I'm not recommending anybody. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. Anybody in trouble. Because anybody can just go and look on the Huggins Institute website and see who's doing what. That's great. It was all about removing mercury out of the teeth, um, removing implants, removing root canals, anything that could that could cause the immune system to attack its own self. Right. And I'm curious, what would you tell a cancer survivor that, or someone battling cancer, what would you tell them to look at? I mean, obviously this is a huge component because you're living proof. But as a health care provider, chiropractor? First thing is remember one thing is that, you know, cancer today, the treatment for it is the same treatment that causes cancer. Like you can't get too many x-rays, right? Because it causes cancer. But that's what they treat you with. Chemotherapy itself causes cancer. So you don't have to be real smart to figure out, well, wait a minute. If chemo causes cancer and radiation causes cancer, why are they still using it? 
They're using it because that's what they know. If you go over to Europe, they do all kinds of stuff. Um, and some places here in America do. The problem is a lot of them are kind of like under the covers. They're, they don't like to be known. They, you know, to get into their practice is very difficult. You have to be referred by somebody who they've treated in the past that they trust. Um, because, you know, like Dr. Avisi in New York City and Dr. Rodriguez, they, they came after them. And even though they were curing people of cancer, they came after them because they weren't doing traditional therapies. They weren't doing chemo. They weren't doing radiation. You know, after they went after them and they went to court, they brought patients in, like in tons of them, that had been naturally healed. And so, you know, the patients basically spoke up and, you know, told a story like I'm telling you about their experience because there's a lot of different ways to help a body cure itself of disease. Now, for me, it was my mouth. But anything that causes toxicity in the body is going to cause a disease. So whether that is the spray that you're putting on your bricks to kill the weeds and you're breathing it in, Roundup, and now you see on TV, they have all these Roundup commercials now for attorneys, 1-800-ROUNDUP, you know, call if you've been injured by Roundup, you know, but Roundup is only one of the many chemicals that can cause diseases by creating toxicity in the system. But look at most people's diets and you'll know that the diet itself is probably causing a lot of the health issues. You know, if you study the Hunters in Pakistan, uh, their average age is over 100. Um, and they, their 70, 80, 90 year old goes up in the fields and, and, and does, you know, what we would call harvesting their crops. Um, you know, they go pick their food and everything, but, and they don't have doctors, they don't have hospitals, nothing, but they also don't have heart disease and cancer, which will kill two thirds of this country. So the American government went over and studied them. The sad part is after they studied them, they couldn't figure out why they don't get sick. And I think that's hysterical. They don't have drugs. They don't have hospitals. They don't have doctors or their doctors just do herbs. They have like what they call a doctor. Um, they eat off the land and only off the land. They don't eat animals. And so, you know, when you look at them and you go, wow, you know, maybe we need to be more like the Hunzas. And you can look them up. Um, it's amazing when you see the pictures of them. You know, um, it, it's crazy that a diet can affect them so much, but it does. And they don't have money the way we have money. So they barter. So, you know, it's a whole different stress level there. So not that we can live exactly like the Hunzas, but we can adapt to a lot of the things that the Hunzas do. Whenever I do nutrition lectures, I always say something so basic and simple. I always ask, what is, what is the earth composed of? What makes the majority of earth? And people say water, I say, exactly. How much of the planet or how much of you know, our planet is covered with water? And it's somewhere between 70 to 80%. I said, how much of us as a human is water? And most people don't know the answer. It's 70 to 80%. So is there any foods that are 78% water? And just by accident, fruits and vegetables are 70, 80% water. Or is it not an accident? So when you really look at this evolution of time and you look at the fact that, you know, the Hunzas live on basically fruits and vegetables because they don't kill animals and nuts and seeds. So it's very interesting when you really study the body 
and you look at the mechanisms of the body. You know, I just did a lecture a number uh, two years ago. I say just because it was right before COVID. So to me, that's like yesterday. Um, and I did it to a group of doctors. And one of the things I spoke about is, you know, are we supposed to be vegetarians or meat eaters? And of course, all the doctors thought we should be meat eaters. And I said, well, so let me think about this for a second. I want you to think about this for a second. Let's look at a carnivore, a true carnivore, a lion, a tiger, or a bear. They have these huge canine teeth. They have very short intestinal systems. They sweat out of their mouth. And they have an enzyme called uric acidase in them. Now let's study humans. We have very long intestinal systems, not short. And the reason we do, we have to absorb water. So we need a long span to do that out of the fruits and vegetables. We don't have canine teeth. We don't have uric acidase, the enzyme to break down uric acid that's from meat. Lions, tigers, and bears do. We don't sweat out of our mouth. We sweat out of pores in our arms and legs and under our armpits, whatever. So when you want to argue about whether or not we're meat eaters or not, I don't really go into the argument really with anybody. I just explain the difference. And I said, let you decide if you think we are based on science, not on opinions. And so the science is that we have no mechanisms to break down the animal protein that most of America is eating. As a matter of fact, four grams of, um, of meat, that creates 16 grams of uric acid. Your body can only process eight grams a day. And that's why gout and all these other diseases are so prevalent in America. In countries that are more vegetarian-like, it's not. Like, it's funny, when the Japanese came over here to this country, they rarely got sick in their country because they ate a lot of rice and vegetables and stuff and, and some raw sushi. They come over here and it's McDonald's and Burger King and, and all of a sudden they're getting sick all the time. And lifestyle is one of the largest reasons we have such a poor health status in this country. I mean, we're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. I think we're rated number 32 as something like 30, that. 32 or four when it comes to health. So there's 30 something countries ahead of us that are more healthy than us. And we're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Exactly. So, so it just shows you can't buy health. You have to develop health. And health is developed through proper eating, proper thinking, and not through proper drugs. And that's the paradigm shift that most Americans can't make, is that drugs don't cure a thing. Drugs get rid of a symptom. So if you have a headache and it's caused from a brain tumor, where you take aspirin, the headache may go away, but did you get rid of the cause of the headache? And I can't tell you how many times as a chiropractor, we'd have people with headaches who have been everywhere and all of a sudden you take care of reflexes in their neck, which supply blood to the brain and, and, and nerves to the brain. And all of a sudden in two or three visits, their migraine headaches are gone. But there's so many other applications like that. But eventually I think the only way that people can change their health is they have to change their paradigm and health doesn't come from a, a, a drug. And that's exactly why I love to get all these experts together because people need to hear this. People need to know this. And I think a lot of times people will go to a doctor and doctors are so well-meaning and they got into this profession for the best intentions, but they need to look at all their options. And I'm not saying one is necessarily better than the other, but look at all your options and listen to your intuition. 
you know, we can't live without doctors. There's an emergency. Listen, if I cut my leg off, I'm not going to a natural healer. You know, if my leg gets cut off in an accident, you know, we need doctors. It's just that doctors don't belong in health. They belong when you're injured and diseased. So that's where they belong. Um, and that's their place. And they do a darn good job at, it, at saving lives that way. I, some of my best friends are doctors and I marvel at how, what they can do and how they do it. Um, but when it comes to health, it's amazing how many of them call me to find out what I need to do. Okay, how do I prevent COVID or how do I prevent this? Or how do I prevent, and, you know, because it's easy, just build the immune system. And that's the sad part about this whole COVID thing is that we're, we stopped talking about building the immune system. It came out in the beginning and then we've just killed it. And we're, all we talk about is the only cure is to get a vaccine. And I, I just think that that's the problem in medicine is it's very dogmatic. They look at one way to treat something and they don't look at options. And as you said, there's so many options. I mean, I don't think the majority of people know to look at what's in your mouth. I didn't listen. I didn't know I'm in healthcare myself. Okay. And I, I've been in it since 83 and I didn't know. And I always knew the mouth was important. I always knew that people talked about the mouth related to heart problems, you know, the staph or one of the one of the bacteria getting into the heart from the mouth. So I always knew there was something going on in the mouth, but never that I think it could cause lymphoma or MS or Parkinson's or, or some of these neurological diseases. I never had it, never in a million years. But now it makes total sense that if I can ingest a poison that can make me sick, well, this poison is in my inside my teeth. So it's jammed in a place where it can't come out. And now my body's reacting to it 24-7, 365. So, you know, now it makes total sense to me that, gosh, I mean, it's amazing that I even lived this long without having health issues. I'm 63 now, and, you know, I'm in very good health except for what was caused from the chemo, you know, which was my numbness in my leg, my circulation issue in my leg, all from that. But other than that, you know, I'm in great health, and I attribute a lot of it to the fact that I didn't go through the whole medical treatment. So I think I would have never made it through number one, but if I made it, I think I would have had an array of health issues as long as my, my arm. So. And it's not an easy thing to do when everyone's telling you family, friends, you got to do this or you're going to die. I was crazy. Honestly, they thought I was nuts when I told them I was stopping. Well, well they thought I was nuts at the beginning when I told them I'm not getting chemo. And then when I finally did it, and I did it for, for the three visits, and I told them I'm stopping, they thought I'd really lost my brain. But after I did what I did, and I got cured, people were like, oh my God, thank God. And uh, are you sure that's what did it? Like those same people were like a little skeptical, even though they know I did everything else that didn't work. So, you know, the skepticism is because they then, if they believe that, have to change the way they think. And it's so much easier to think the way you've always thought, you know, that drugs and medicine are the answer for everything. And if not, you get surgery. Then it is to, I'm responsible for my health. I have to take care of me. I, I have one body and it needs to stay clean and without poisons and toxins in it, which means I have to breathe clean air, not poisons, which means I have to stay with these poisonous sprays. I have to eat food that's not poison, which means I got to eat mostly organic. Um, you know, I have to stay away from a lot of the animal products, uh, sugar products and, and heavy carbs. And uh, and it's not easy to, to take 
total responsibility for your health and to actually say no to stuff. No, I can't eat that. Or no, I can't go to that restaurant because I can't eat there. You know, so. And I work with a lot of people who have trouble with that. You know, oh, I'm going out with somebody and I don't want to be a pain. And, you know, I just tell them, you just have to stand up for yourself and say, listen, I can't eat certain things. I know with myself having ovarian cancer 23 years ago, I just have this mindset that I have to work harder than most people. And if you're willing to do it, the benefits are are great. I'm not saying. It is hard. It is the hardest thing someone will do in their life is take responsibility for their own health and stop giving it to doctors. Because you see, the thing about doctors is they're only going to do what they know. And that's it. And, um, you know, even my internist who who's very holistic thinking, I think his mind was totally blown when he saw my MRIs and saw a, t- a tumor the size of a small football gone. And, and the only thing I had done was hold everything out of my mouth. Uh, other than, again, if you want to take the vitamin C drips, I was doing a lot with it. Um, and yes, I had been a vegetarian for a long time, a raw food eater. So maybe I healed better and faster because my body was less poison toxic. I don't know. Um, like, I, I can't tell you how much that affected it, but I'm sure it helped. I mean, right, it couldn't you know, hurt. I went in healthier than a lot of people did uh, into the process. So I'm sure that helped. So this is a great way to end this segment. And I just want to go into random round. Are you ready? Yes. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? Making my own choices. The last show you binged and loved? It was... Um, one with the airplane uh, on Netflix uh, manifest. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? I don't really get afraid. It's very weird. Even when I got cancer, I really wasn't afraid of it. I got on that internet immediately. And to me, afraid is when you think there's no solution to what you have. Afraid is when you feel like it's out of your control. And I never feel like anything's out of my control, even if I would have died from that. I would have died not fearful. I would have died. So my answer is, uh, there's really, I don't really have an answer to that one. I love that. If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Oh, my gosh. It would probably be my own dad, you know, who uh, unfortunately um, didn't live a lot of the principles that I would think could have prolonged his life so he didn't have to die the way he died. And... Um, I would have had that conversation like well before he got himself very sick because after he got sick, unfortunately he did what most people do is listen to his doctor. So um, that's probably what it would be. What is your favorite go-to snack? Bananas and cashews. What's one simple thing that brings you joy? Tennis and boating. I'm a heavy boater and a heavy tennis guy. Wonderful. What's on your nightstand? Gosh, a bunch of vitamin bottles, and that's about it in my clock. <laughs> What's your favorite form of exercise? Tennis. That a question. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I got to watch my kids grow up. And, you know, when 13, 14 years ago, my kids were all like three, six, and eight. So, you know, um, 
I would have never watched them grow up. So that's my most grateful thing. I got to watch them. I, I know my father, who didn't get to watch my grand his grandkids grow up, that would have been his favorite thing too. Mm. So I'm living also part of him. Love that. And if people have questions for you, what's the best way they can reach you or get in touch with you? They can email me at drkleinwax at gmail.com. I don't care. They can even call me if they wanted to. 516-647-2222. That's my cell. They're more than welcome to call. You know, one thing that I will say from recovering from something that most people and a lot of people die from and not doing it conventionally, I know how scared people can get because I watched my family around me and how scared they were that I was doing something that was so out of the out of the box. And so I feel like I have a calling to help others feel like they're not crazy. This is not so far out of the box. As a matter of fact, it's more natural and it's more makes more common sense than half the therapies that are out there that people are getting. So, you know, and I know that there's going to be people who are going to think, you know, what I'm saying is total garbage and, you know, they can. Uh, At the same time, for those that are really looking for an alternative to something that they have health-wise, more years. Well, I just have to thank you so much for your time. I think this was so valuable and people are going to get so much from it. So thank you. You're welcome. And it was my pleasure. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.